Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to have you back on again for another episode. Should be a good one. I've got uh, a guy by the name of Todd Helms. Tom, Todd is the uh, the editor of Eastman's Hunting Journal as well as Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Obviously, Eastman's brings you guys this podcast, so I got to know him here earlier this fall. Um, we got to visit him about kind of his background, and, and he started talking about uh, how he got his start hunting coyotes up in, in Michigan. So, we're going to visit about that. It's a unique part of the country, um, some different tactics there and stuff that uh, you'll find. And and who knows, we might uh, get off on some tangents of uh, who knows, maybe the anti-hunting movement or who knows where we might end up, but uh, should be a good one. But before I get into that, um, I, I get a lot of questions about where can people find myself on on the net. Um, you know, my web address is coyotecraze.com. If you're looking for links to the Last Stand YouTube series, um, links to uh you know what i do as far as putting on coyote schools and things like that links to some of the articles i've written uh, you can find that all on coyotecraze.com and then probably the best place to find me is on instagram when it comes to social media um that's where i post you know stories when we're out on coyote hunts um pictures and videos and and things like that so um my tag is at jeff nimnick and that's g-e-o-f-f so quick search g-e-o-f-f i'll probably be one of the few that comes up but want to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsor, which is Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Um, you know, I talk a lot about their e-calls, um, but one thing I don't mention a lot of that I do get a lot of questions about is the Lucky Duck Predator seat. Um, you know, when you're out on stand, having something to sit on is pretty important. You know, cactus, dirt, snow, rocks, whatever it may be, you know, you don't want your butt sitting in that. Um, and a few years back, we were able to develop this seat, which is really built off the basis of a stadium seat. Um, you know, it has padding, uh, but it has straps that connect the back to the seat, uh, to give you that extra back support, which is crucial when you're shooting, being able to push your back against something, um, will definitely help steady up your shot, you know, especially when you're trying to shoot a small coyote a target, like a coyote. Um, and then one of the cool features of this seat is it actually has a built-in pocket on the backside that you can store your call in. And, and this is huge because, uh, these seats have a shoulder strap. I can, I can sling it over cross shoulder it. Um, my calls in the pocket, my seats right there, and it leaves me hands free going in and out of stands. Whether you're crossing fences, um, you know, dragging coyotes, carrying you know a rifle, everything like that, hands free is important. You know, not have to carry all that extra stuff with you. So, if you're in the market for a new a coyote hunting seat, something that's pretty simple, you know, pretty inexpensive, um, go to LuckyDuck.com and check out the Lucky Duck Predator seat. Well, Todd, great to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm excited to. Excited to come on and talk about shooting coyotes. <laughs> well, for those that don't know, you actually, um, so you're the editor of Eastman's Hunting Journal and Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, correct? Correct, I am. And then you're also the host of the Wingman uh, podcast series. So you yep. get to talk a lot about uh, geese and ducks, but so I, I see why you're excited to talk a little bit about coyotes finally, huh? It's something a little different, and it's something that um, I kind of got into years and years ago. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I, uh, I am the editor for Eastman's Hunting Journals. Basically, everything, every piece of written communication that comes out of Eastman's came across my desk or originated with me. So that keeps me extremely busy. And then with the Wingman hosting gig on top of that, with from the podcast to the video series to the blog to email and then social media, busy, busy, busy. But um, yeah, that's that's what I do, and I. 
I don't get as much time to chase coyotes as I would like because of those other duties, but it's definitely something that I enjoy and used to do a lot of. Before we get into some coyote, I want to, I've always had this question, you know, from, from an editing standpoint and a magazine standpoint, you know, where's predator hunting stand right now? I mean, is it, is it a fairly growing market? Um, I think you so. Know, yeah. Would you, do you feel like, you know, from are more and more big game guys realizing that, Hey, this kind of expands their hunting season a little bit later in the winter. Once all the big game season's done, what, what's your perspective from a, a big game standpoint? I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I see, you know, I spend a lot of time at the rifle range here, um, getting, getting stuff around, you know, doing reviews, different things. And it seems like there's always somebody there fine tuning a, a predator hunting rig, you know, getting a rifle dialed, whether it's an AR or a, a bolt action on a chassis or whatever it may be there's there's more and more guys doing it and i think you're i think you hit the nail on the head you know in the west big game seasons start in september or august if you're a bow hunter and run through october and usually by the end of october about halloween most big game seasons are done you know there's a handful of late stuff guys chasing cow elk around late in december a little bit but by Christmas, and definitely by New Year's, unless guys are wing shooters, where they're chasing upland birds or waterfowl, there's nothing else. There's no hunting left to do. And so coyotes, predators in general, are, I do, I do see it, have seen an uptick in that, in that interest. You know, it's, we're, we're pretty fortunate here in this part of Wyoming and Wyoming in general. I see a big interest in cats, you know, mountain lions. Guys are even going out and buying like one dog. And from, from that all the way up to houndsmen with entire strings of dogs, you know, it's just one of those things that's really, really starting to catch on and become popular. I think people are starting to grab onto it for both increased opportunity, but, you know, the more we learn about, predator and ungulate relationships the more we realize how hard coyotes coyotes in general but predators in general but coyotes especially are on fawns and calves and and bears are the bears are in the same boat and we're ramping up for that here with bear seasons across the spring or across the west in the spring here in the next few months next couple months yeah you know, it's march 1st today um, so you guys are, guys are looking at, you know, those spring bear seasons are, you know, they're looking good grief. They're a month and a half away at the, at the earliest, usually now you got to have something to fill that, fill that gap. And everybody's got coyotes, you know, some guys have some places have more than others, but there's coyotes everywhere you go. You bet. And like, guys can go out and they can hunt as, as the, on the wingman side of things, Dan Picard and I've gone out and try to shoot raccoons call raccoons this time of year <laughs> yeah. you know give those pheasants some of those other birds a, a more fair square chance at raising little ones come springtime you know um just try to knock down some of those coon populations but i, I know my dad uh, back in iowa has really ramped up his predator hunting as a result of it just becoming more popular and he he personally took over 50 raccoons off of the, his home place last year Dang. with a combination of calling and trapping yeah yeah 
So it's popular, man. You know, it's something, it's fun. If you've never, you know, I don't care if you turn on a collar or use a mouth call or whatever it might be. If you've never called in a predator, especially a coyote, it's, it's a rush, man. It is a kick in the <laughs> pants, especially for guys that, you know, big game guys that are used to sitting on a ridge and glassing or being still and just observing or making stalks. There's way more, it's way more involved and it's just fun. And I think, I know that's why I enjoy it. Um, another thing we're starting to see become quite popular out here is our, is hunting wolves. That's become quite popular in the, in the Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. Those guys in Idaho are, there's a bunch, there's a group over there that's really got it dialed. They've, they've got it figured out and they're, they know how to call these wolves in and they're shooting them. You know, they're taking two guns, a shotgun and a rifle with them. Cause you know, you never know how many are going to come in versus and how close they're going to be, you know? So it's like, got to have your bases oh, yeah. covered. Cause you ever try to, you ever try to shoot a moving tar, a moving coyote or wolf at very close range <laughs> with a rifle. It's, yeah, it's, it's Yeah, it's very challenging. <laughs> so, but I, to answer your question, man, I think it's, I think it's gotten much more popular. Um, and I personally think it's an absolute kick in the pants. I love doing it. Well, I can tell you, I was excited when you guys, you know, Eastman's got a hold of me to, to do this podcast. I'm no guy and Ike for quite a few years. You know, I met them at those ISC sports shows probably back in 2012 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it seemed like, you know, over the years, a lot of the big game guys, I don't know. I don't want to say they've thrown their nose up to coyote hunting. You know what I'm saying? But it's kind of like, nah, nah, it's. I just, I don't, it's not as prestigious maybe as, you know, going shooting in a big mule deer buck or an elk or something sure, like sure. that. Um, you know, and I know sometimes too, you know, from a standpoint of like Eastman's that, you know, obviously predator hunting is kind of on the tip of the spear when it comes to dealing with anti hunters and, and different things like that. So I know there's a sense of to maybe, okay, do we really want to deal with all that kind of stuff? Um, you know, so I was, I'm excited, like I said, I'm excited that Eastman's finally, you know, saw, uh, well, we, were, we realized stuff. No, I, you're absolutely right. And I think the, the pendulum has swung. And what I mean by that is when it comes to, when it comes to our, your, our views on anti-hunters and the agenda to stop all hunting, whether it's predator hunting or big game hunting or hunting with hounds, or, I mean, you name it, man, They're, they just, they attack every little piece of it. And the predator stuff is, you're absolutely right. It is right up front and center. And, you know, whether it's wolves or bears or, you know, coyote calling, coyote hunting contests or oh, yeah. whatever, whatever it might be. And the pendulum has swung. And what I mean by that is it used to be when I was a young man, it was like, oh, you needed to have these talking points to be able to persuade anti-hunters and convince them to become a, to be at least to, to educate them to the point where they understand why you do it. Right. Yep. I think those days are over. And what I mean by that is the other side of the coin, the anti hunters and the left lean, the left leaners and the anti, well, that's just, I'm not going to paint a rosy picture on it. That's just what it is. I'm not going to mince words. They tend to be very left leaning. They tend to be urban city dwelling folks who don't understand rural life, rural living, 
and they don't have a grasp on any of those things. They've never experienced any of it. And yeah, okay, there might be some of them that are interested in it, but there's enough stuff out there in today's day and age that if they're interested in it or they do have an open mind, they can get online, they can Google stuff, they can get on social media platforms and listen to podcasts and go, yeah, okay, I see their points. Oh, for sure. What I'm talking about is the people who don't want to be educated. They just want to be right. And they want to shut us down because they don't like what we do. Whether it's, like I said, predator hunting, wing shooting, big game hunting, those days of pussyfooting around things and almost being apologetic because being a hunter, that's over. That is over. And I, I'm speaking mostly for myself. I'm speaking mostly for myself here, but it is, you know, we have these conversations around here too. And it's, we're done apologizing. We're done apologizing. It's, it's time to stand up, be proud of what we do and what we enjoy and say, no hunters, sportsmen, the North American sportsman has funded the model for wildlife conservation in this country forever. And no, you don't have a voice. You don't get a say because we're paying for it. The only reason we have turkeys in 49 states is because of hunters and sportsmen. You know, the only reason we have pronghorn, pronghorn antelope left at all is because of sportsmen's dollars. Yep. And it's time we stand up and we're proud of that. You know, and we say, you know, this is the way it is. You don't like it tough that's not my problem i'm going to keep doing what i do and i'm not going to apologize for it yeah that's awesome i i think i'm starting to see more of that as well i think you know you're right back four five six eight years ago there were a lot of that trying to justify to people why we do what we do uh you know and yeah it's just time i think you know us as a group i you know coyote hunting contest is something that's on the chopping block right now and obviously it's the first thing that the anti-hunter is going after it's just the easiest to persuade the the non-hunters, you know, to make them, right. you know, right. it's just the easiest thing for them to to put on their agenda, you know, and, and it just kills me when I, when I get on, whether it's a forum or an article or a Facebook post, and I see guys that call themselves hunters say, well, that's fine with me. They can get rid of coyote contests. I don't, I don't hunt coyote contests. I don't, you know, right. do this kind of stuff. And it just, it just destroys me to think that, that these guys don't understand the fact that we're all on the same team and they're just not going to take coyote contests, you know, when that's done, they're going to go after trapping, which they've already started, you know, and you name it, you know, it's just going to go down the line. And I just, I wish most more guys would understand that message and just say, you know what, we're all on the same team. And it's no similar to probably a lot of the big game stuff where they're, you're talking about crossbow hunting versus recurve hunting and traditional bow hunting and the guys that, that just talk smack against the, the crossbow guys. And I'm like, you know what? it's getting guys out in the field hunting. We're, we're creating more hunters, but you know, I don't care if you want to go shoot uh, wild hogs with a minigun. I don't really care. You know, it might not be at this. You might not think it's sporting, but it's getting guys out there spending dollars on hunting license, spending dollars through these companies that all support us and what we do and provide product and, and things like that. And yeah. I, so like I said, it, we could talk a whole damn uh, podcast probably. Oh, on this. <laughs> you got me fired up. You, know? <laughs> you got me fired up. That is, that's good. That's one I, thing. I, I hope everybody been, gets fired up about this. You know, you're well, you're spot on with it's easy to make concessions, you know, and we could go back and we could take a look at history for crying out loud and the appeasement of Nazi Germany and the appeasement of Hitler and governments just been like, well, we'll give them Poland. Oh, we'll give them this. And then they'll be happy. 
No, that's not how it works, man. We'll give them coyote call. We'll give them coyote contests. Well, they're not going to stop there. They're going to want something else and something else and something else. And I agree with you 100% in that, you know, there is a, there is a middle group of people that they're not opposed to hunting, but they're not hunters. They're not currently hunting. And for those people, we, we do need to keep our image clean. We do need to, because those are the people that we can easily push to the left side, the the far left side of things and push away when we need to welcome them. We need to say, okay, so you don't have any interest in hunting coyotes. Please at least understand that what we are doing is, is population control. And the deer that you like to feed in your backyard or that you like to go driving through the countryside and see, there's going to be more of them because we're killing coyotes, which are killing fawns in the springtime. And it's all North American model of wildlife management. You know, it's all tied into that. I don't care whether it's big game, you know, coyotes, it doesn't matter. It's all part of the same thing. And as hunters, man, we are, you're right. We are terrible about attacking each other. Well, it's yeah, like we're our own worst we, enemy sometimes. Oh, we're, dude, dude, it's terrible. It's like, oh, you don't, you know, just because I don't necessarily agree with certain, with a way that uh, I had a recorded an episode of the Wingman podcast earlier this week, and we were talking about um, bow hunting for turkeys. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. I don't, I've shot a handful of turkeys with a bow. It's not my thing. It doesn't do it for me. Does that mean I'm going to get on a soapbox and say, you can't shoot turkeys with a bow <laughs> yeah. or you're, you're a, you're an unethical sport, unethical hunter because you're shooting turkeys with a bow. No, if that's your thing and you're doing, you're performing the due diligence and committing to the practice to be able to ethically take that bird with a single arrow. Good for you. Good for you. But I'm not going to stand there and, and, belittle you and berate you for that just because it's not my thing i don't have to agree with you to have your back yeah it's 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 wild that you know sometimes i look at social media too and i think to myself man it is that going to be our you know undoing you know with social media just you know and i i think there's a lot of great that comes from social media but i also think yeah, too that too. there's just you know there's some stuff that's just not great and like you said image you know is a big thing you know people don't realize that the images they do put out there um you know people can get a hold of them and they can twist it and they can turn it and they can write whatever they want underneath it and post it somewhere and you know before you know it you got a bunch of people that don't understand what really happened and um you know so we'll see we'll see where it all goes but uh hopefully somebody listen to this maybe it might change your mind a little bit that it all matters yeah, I, it does all matter. And I, like I said, I, we're beyond the point of being apologetic. It's, it's time to stand up, take a stand, dig your feet in and say, I'm a hunter and I'm proud of it. And I am, you know, I'm pro 2A and I am proud. I'm a hunter and I am proud. And if I can invite you to come and try out what we love, awesome. But for so many of those folks, they don't have any interest in that. No. They just want to, they just want to tear down what they don't understand. What, uh, what's your data points right now? I mean, you guys probably have numbers. I mean, what percentage of the United States considers themselves a hunter right now? Eight, eight, ten percent, maybe. Dude, I'd have to Google it. Um, I don't know if you guys would have some, some numbers that you guys would use when, you know, through your magazines and stuff like that. We are actually, we're actually getting ready to put, send out surveys. Um, 
and that will that will tell us exactly how much uh those numbers but i'm just going off of google here just bang right here yeah uh let's see one source says about four percent oh wow of of of, the, of <laughs> hunters in the u.s it says there were i mean About eleven and a half million uh, people, but that's are actually hunters, or consider themselves hunters in in the United States. Um, and granted, this is Google, so yeah, yeah. Do your well. That's the way I've always take, take things with a grain of salt, you know. But it is, it we do know that we've lost numbers. We've added numbers through COVID the last two years. Um, we we there's more people hunting now than there have been in the last five to ten years. But overall, that trend is down. You know, you look at our grandparents' generation, that the greatest generation, man, they got back from World War II and they hunted. Almost all, not almost all, but a lot of them hunted. And, you know, 19, and then their kids, you know, the, the, we call them the, the baby boomers or boomers, they're aging out. You know, they're hitting 65, 70, 75 years old. And so they don't hunt like they used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's about where we're at, roughly. Well, that's one thing, you know, like you mentioned, that big middle group. I've always I've always pictured this in my head that, you know, if, if roughly five to 10 percent of the population is hunters, I think you have roughly five to 10 percent of the population are these extreme anti hunters. And then, like you said, you have this middle group of roughly 80 percent of the population, which are the ones that we're either going to turn for us or against us. You know, these are the people right. that hopefully, you know, we're doing a good job of recruiting. You know, I think with this younger generation with coyote hunting specifically something i've noticed is i think it's it's one of the the hunting styles that i think appeals to some of these younger younger people just because of the style of hunting you know hey we're going to shoot ar-15s and we're using exactly. technology we're using electronic calls <coughs> and you know we're we're moving we're not just sitting there you know and you're actually going after things you know so you know maybe if you're listening to this you know and, and you know getting somebody new out there to hunt coyotes you know, and get them experiencing something, you know, in the outdoors that maybe they've never done. Hey, you know, coyote hunting is, is a pretty good way to, to get them involved. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I, it's fun. The technology aspect of things is, you know, alluring to especially younger generation. <coughs> Excuse me, man. I got, I'm fighting a cold, so I got a little tickle. It is the season. Oh, it's been kicking my butt. Anyway, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, we're looking at about 4% of the population as hunters. I would bet that the real rabid anti-hunters, the ones we really need to stand up to and say no to, are, I bet it's a pretty small segment of the, of the population. But it's that middle, it's that middle group that's big, you know, and, and, and like I said, I, I can't think of a better vehicle to recruit more hunters than coyotes. Because everybody has coyotes. I mean, everywhere you go, there's coyotes. And they're usually very accessible. And they're a total, total blast to hunt. Yeah. You know, so I guess if you've got coyote guys or predator guys that are out there, man, reach out. Take your neighbor's kids hunting or take your neighbor and his kids hunting. Or Yeah, that's I try to do that ever, all the time with, with waterfowl. Um, I'm always trying to 
grab people that are new, you know, whether they're new or their kid or they have kids that might have an interest in it. Always trying to take at least a couple times a season, you know, to. Oh yeah, that's huge. Just get them out, get them out in a blind, and, and get them having fun with hunting. One one of the big hurdles, I probably the only hurdle that I run into with new people, and, and maybe it's some people that are trying to understand coyote hunting, is is they have a hard time getting over the fact that we're not really using the coyote for anything in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, you know, in a lot of parts of the country, the coyotes fur is not worth anything, you know? Right. Yeah, um, exactly. So essentially you're just killing a coyote to kill a coyote, which for me, I don't apologize. I just love killing coyotes. Um, you know, but a lot of people want to have some sort of, like we talked about a little bit of a justification and they feel like, well, if, if I can't use it for anything, obviously most people aren't eating coyotes. Um, you know, so, and if their fur is not worth any money, you know, then, they kind of ask the question, well, why are we killing them? And so explaining the the predator management and stuff, you know, unlike deer hunting, you're killing a deer to hopefully eat it. Maybe it was yeah. a trophy, whatever, you know, <clears throat> I think if people can just get over the fact that, you know, you're not doing it for a certain, like a meal or, uh, you know, making money off the fur, you're just doing it for the other aspect of the predator management to help keep the the population at, you know, bay a little bit, you know, I think if the people can get past that, you know, I think, man, it would open up, open up the the door to a lot of people wanting to do it more. No, I I think you're right, and I think the as as our urban areas continue to grow, and people move out into the suburbs, you know, you know as well as I do that coyotes live in every major city. You know, they're living oh, right yeah. downtown. Yeah, they're and you never see them, but they they are there. You know, and they start eating people's pets. Man, I mean, and you hear about it, but we don't hear enough about it. And it's kind of like, this is why. I mean, you're probably not going to go into Central Park and call coyotes with an AR-15. I'm just, <laughs> you can pull that off. Let me know. I'll be yeah, there with yeah. you because that would be a ball. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's that idea that you're absolutely right. You know, well, I'm not going to eat it. And on one hand, recruiting hunters because of food procurement is great and i applaud it on the other hand there's other hunting can be a useful tool for management outside of just getting something to eat you know i look at shooting prairie dogs that's not hunting but it's shooting prairie dogs and anybody that's lived out west understands that if you don't if if ranchers don't manage those prairie dogs they're going to have pastures that are going to be useless yep they're going to be full of disease there's not going to be any food on them they're going to be full of holes and they can't turn cattle or livestock out on those things nope. you know um and the prairie dogs aren't going to manage themselves i mean yeah they they carry <laughs> they disease will. and they get yeah exactly <laughs> they get plagued out which which happens yeah but yeah it's it's all balanced man you know we don't live in this uh we don't live in this utopia where everything takes care of itself you know we are we are stewards of this earth. We are stewards of these resources. And we, part of that being a steward comes with management. And that's exactly what it is. And I do think, I do think you're right. But once you get, once, once I think you can show people, look, you know, this is why we do this. It's it's population control Um, in areas of the country, like where I grew up, the hides can be extremely valuable, you know? Um, Oh yeah. 
and out here, some of these nor the northern tier western states, you get a prime winter coyote and you know prime November coyote or October coyote, and man, they're they're gorgeous in the heights can be worth something especially ones that are real light colored you know oh yeah <clears throat> but yeah man there's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles for sure <laughs> i think you just do what you're gonna do and you know don't apologize but keep an open mind at the same time you, you when you mentioned the urban coyotes i you, i thought of this funny story in my head about uh, four or five years ago i was doing a seminar down there at denver at the international sportsman's expo and, you know, you know, when you get in those seminar crowds, you can usually look out there and you're like, okay, yeah, these people all look like our kind of people, you know, just hunters or right. outdoorsmen or ranchers and that kind of stuff. Well, there was this lady sitting in the front row and she had a notebook and she was just like in a dress, like I'm I just, she just looked out of place. <clears throat> well, anyway, <clears throat> I'm giving the seminar and I see the whole seminar, she has taken notes and this and that and and it caught my curiosity because she just was out of place. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, at the end of the seminars over and, and she didn't ask any question, but after the seminar, she came up and, and, uh, and she introduced herself and she said, boy, that was just a great seminar. She's like, I, I have it out for coyotes now. And I was like, well, why is that? And she's like, well, I live right here in Denver and a coyote killed my dog the other day. And I saw that you were doing this seminar on coyotes. So she's like, I want to know everything about them. I, I'm waging war on the coyotes in my neighborhood. And I was like, well, we might have to approach this a little bit different. But yeah. you know, she was just a random, you know, she was not a hunter by any stretch. I don't even know if she owned a gun. Um, but, you know, one instance like that where the coyotes moved in and took her dog. And now all of a sudden now we had somebody that didn't care. They, you know, they they wanted to wage war on on the coyotes. Well, in that's, the neighborhood. that's a win, you know, and. The fact that she grew, I mean, through a, a very tragic event, understands, man, we need and we need to manage yeah. these things. You know, I think about those poor guys, those poor folks where I grew back in the great upper Great Lakes where I grew up, they just had their wolf seasons taken away. You know, they just had the, the wolves just got relisted in those states. And because their management plans supposedly don't don't line up with where u.s fish and wildlife thinks they should be well we all know there's a bigger agenda to it than that oh yeah um but these are the folks that are you know i know i know guys that are you know bear hunters and back there if you've ever been to that part of the country it's heavily heavily forested and so spot and stalking black bears is ludicrous i mean there's no you can hunt your whole life and never see one doing that so we baited and we ran them with dogs and it's still both of which both those methods are still legal there. There's no other way to really effectively harvest bears in, in that area. But when the wolf population started to get out of control guy, a lot of guys I know quit running dogs, quit running hounds because they would lose yeah. whole packs. Yeah. The wolves are killing whole packs of dogs, guys having bird dogs killed. And I mean, Anybody that's hunted grouse and woodcock up there knows your bird dogs now ever very far away from you. They're usually within 50, 60 yards working cover. You know, you want to close work a dog in that, in the, in that country. And guys are losing bird dogs. People are losing dogs off their, off of leashes. <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew a guy that well, knew of a guy. I shouldn't say that I knew him. Sorry. But I knew of a guy who had a Newfoundland taken right off the leash. Dang. A couple of wolves came up and, Oh, that's a 140 pound <laughs> dog, man. Jeez. 
and just boop, they just killed him and snatched him. And the guy's standing right there, can't do anything about it. And, you know, obviously coyotes aren't going to kill a Newfoundland, but, well, I suppose there's enough of them, they probably could, <laughs> but you don't see coyotes attacking dogs like that to, to that level. But, you know, other things where they're not managed, where they don't have that fear, yeah, it's, it's chaos. Well, let's, let's get into that up there. You know, part of this podcast series, you know, I've, I've tried to bring on guys from different parts of the country to talk about just some of the different tactics and different approaches to, to hunting coyotes. Because in, like you said, in different parts of the country, you have different coyote densities. Obviously the train's different. The vegetation is different. You know, in my opinion, the coyote's still the coyote. It's just a matter of, you know, molding those techniques and modifying those techniques and, and using, you know, them to, to your advantage in that train. So you know, I've never been up to Michigan to hunt coyotes. I've had, a, you know, the coyote schools I put on, I've had a couple guys from that country, part of that country. And in my opinion, probably it's got to be one of the toughest places in the country to probably call coyotes due to probably a couple things, the, the, the thick forest, you know, and probably just the overall coyote densities probably aren't as high as what you find in a lot of other places. I mean, is that kind of your experiences growing up there hunting coyotes? Yeah. You know, and, Michigan's such a unique, a unique state because there's really two different Michigans. You know, there's the Lower Peninsula, actually three, because you've got the Lower Peninsula with down south. That's really farm country and pretty open, um, pretty heavily populated for the most part. And as you go north, it becomes more wooded, uh, fewer, smaller population, human population densities. And then by the time you get to the UP, you're looking at a at a uh, geographic area that's still, at least when I lived there, was still technically considered frontier. It was a little fewer than 16 people per square mile. And by the time you get up there, uh, it, everybody always says when you cross the Mackinac Bridge into the Upper Peninsula and you start driving, it's like it's a different world. And it is completely. Um, and there's different zones there. But I think you're probably right, Jeff. I would bet when I was really when I, when we were really killing a lot of coyotes and what I mean by a lot of coyotes is if we killed, if we hunted four times in a week and killed two coyotes, we were, we were doing, you're on it. We were doing good. You know, <laughs> you could run them with dogs, um, which a lot of guys did, but far as calling coyotes, you really had to pick areas that were open, you know, whether it was frozen lakes frozen rivers, power lines, gas lines, because if you're just going out and hunting them in the woods, they smell you. You just never see them. You know, you'd set up, you, you get your calling sequence going, and I guarantee you we called in a boatload of coyotes that we never saw because they could be 40 yards away and you never see them. It's so visibility. Yeah, it's so thick. And they, you know what they do? They're always trying to circle downwind and get your and, and come in with the wind in their face. Well, if you can see them from 300 yards away, that's no big deal. They start that circle, boom, you can shoot them. But yeah, I remember the first time I ever called one in was a buddy of mine from, uh, grew up in Northern California and he was a coyote hunting nut. I mean, it was his thing. And he's like, gotta hunt coyotes, gotta hunt coyotes. And I'm thinking, I know some spots that might work. And we always did the best when it was brutal cold. And you talked about, it seemed like when, coyotes um where you are when it gets cold they they'll, they'll hunker down 
and they don't and they'll move yeah, after abnormally that. cold yeah right like one cold snap <clears throat> a season kind of a deal sometimes yeah well it's if the coyotes in the north country did that they'd all starve to death because it's so cold oh, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> long up there so they would really patrol heavily you'd see most of your coyote action when it was below zero you know and i'm the the first time i ever shot one uh for on a call calling set it was i think it was 25 or 30 below zero and we were hunting along a frozen river obviously the river was frozen we were hunting that because they use it like a highway yep and we were set up on this blind corner collar behind us and dog came around the corner at like 30 yards you know and i shot him with buckshot out of a 12 gauge <laughs> shotgun and that was what we used most of the time with shotguns because everything was close um and then we kind of went on a string there for a while where we killed we had a pretty good pretty good success where we were killing doubles and even triples when it was that cold and we started hunting those frozen lakes and those frozen areas where we had good visibility and that call could really reach out and get their attention but yeah i think it's a combination of lower coyote densities although there are a lot of coyotes there um compared to places like man i don't know texas or oh yeah yeah you know, there, there's yeah. just coyotes all over the place it's not like that there wyoming's not like that you'd look at wyoming and think oh there's gonna be coyotes all over this country we manage our, our coyotes here really we really get after them because of the livestock growers association because of the ranchers and because we raise you know so much beef and so much so much so many sheep out here that they keep the coyotes trimmed down pretty good here and but i i think yeah real, it was real probably quick what a, do you think what do you think the reason is the densities are down in that i kind of always have my theories of why like those parts of the country you think it's just the carrying capacity just there's not yeah, not I the do, food sources think, there's just not yeah. the the type of terrain that coyotes really thrive in i mean what, what do you think it is i think i think a coyote living in the upper peninsula michigan that would be a rough life man you know because yeah the food sources aren't aren't there you know coyotes well coyotes will will and we all know coyotes will kill and eat mature adult whitetails there's a lot of other stuff out there that's easier for them to get and oh, yeah. compared to wolves where you throw wolves on that landscape and they're just decimating what's left of the deer herd coyotes i mean they're going to eat fawns and they're going to get some some weak ones but they're going to want to eat rodents they're going to want to eat rabbits and that it just isn't that carrying capacity there for coyotes um to have lots and lots of them that said when when snowshoe hare population cycles were high like you'd go out and you could you could shoot a limit of five hares you know in an hour that's when we had most coyotes just like here in wyoming when we have lots and lots of cottontails we got lots of coyotes oh, yeah yeah it's cyclic for sure yeah absolutely absolutely and so there were there were years when it was better it was definitely better than others but uh yeah man it's a it's a tough place it's a tough tough place to consistently kill coyotes by calling them well you know that brings up to a good point you know i get contacted from guys all over the country and they see you know they might see us with this big pile of 20 coyotes you know or whatever and they're and they may live in an area exactly what we're talking about and i'm sure michigan's not the only part of the country i'm sure parts of wisconsin you know, if I had to guess would be similar, the whole Midwest, yeah. you know, where 
you know, you might just not have that. So it's upper Midwest, you know, you, yeah, you don't want the guys always want to compare and be like, well, how come I'm not killing that many coyotes? Well, you may be doing very well for the area you're in, you know, I mean, we're not going out and killing 15 coyotes in a day when there's, you know, the coyote densities are low. I mean, that's right. Right. You're, you're hitting the jackpot when you get into areas like that, where their coyotes are, are thick, you know? So, you know, who knows, you know, I, I guess if you were in one of those areas, I would probably ask around and talk around and, and you're going to talk to other coyote hunters. You're going to get a good idea of how well you're doing compared to probably everybody else in that area. I wouldn't necessarily compare yourself to, you know, everybody else on social media that's hunting them and, you know, other parts of the country, you know, just that's, because of the, the challenges you face in that area. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, man. I think I do, I do enjoy social media. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun outlet. Um, and man, it, we, we can, we've established some great hunting communities via social media. We really have, you know, you go to shows and you get to at these shows, like we just, we did hunt expo in Salt Lake a couple of weeks ago and you know, constantly bumping into people that you know, right. <laughs> yeah. You don't know yeah. them, but you know who they are and you know a little bit about them from social media. Yep. That's super cool. That's a really neat thing. But the problem with social media, and I don't care whether it's, if it's coyote hunting, fishing, quilting, <laughs> underwater basket weaving, yeah. I don't care what it is. Some things you're only seeing highlights from oh, that yeah. person's day or that yeah. person's life. And so, you know, you guys, you guys go out and drop 15 dogs in, a, in an afternoon. That's awesome. That might be the best hunt that you had all year. And it's good on social media. And some poor guy in the UP <laughs> yeah. is going, I haven't seen 15 haven't seen coyotes in, in my life, <laughs> yeah. you know? Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I want to take a second to talk to you a little bit about Cryptek Camouflage. Now, us as coyote hunters, we are extremely rough on stuff, and our clothing lineup is, is no exception. Whether it's climbing fences and getting things snagged up, uh, crawling around on our knees, trying to get in position to shoot a coyote, or just having to deal with the, the ever-changing weather conditions, you know, I want a, a line of camouflage that's going to allow me to, to modify with the changing weather, as well as hold up to the abuse I'm going to put it through. And that's what the Cryptek offers. Now, Cryptek took what they learned in the most hostile combat environments and combined that knowledge with proven tactical gear concepts, tested it with top military professionals and hunters, and then customized every aspect to perform in all potential backcountry scenarios. And that's exactly what I want. So if you're in the market for a new line of camouflage this coming season, visit cryptech.com and see what they have to offer. Now, I'm going to be running the Highlander pattern. They have a new pattern coming out in 2022. I'm excited to see. And of course, my favorite time to shoot coyotes is in the snow. So be sure and check out their overwhite patterns they offer as well. So visit cryptech.com to see what they have to offer. Now back to the podcast. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's all perspective. You know, you got to yeah. think about when you go out and you're driving roads and hunting and snow, how many, how many coyote tracks are you seeing? Yep. If you're seeing lots and lots of coyote tracks and lots and lots of coyote sign and you're not killing them, okay, then you're you're probably doing something wrong. But if you're seeing very few coyote tracks and you're going out and killing a couple every winter, I think you're probably doing pretty darn good. Yep. Yep. You know, I that's just kind of how I look at it. It's I took my I took my kids out uh coyote hunting. Oh, it was a little while ago, but it was one of those, it was pretty chilly. It was, it was just about right. We'd just gotten some fresh snow and my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm taking the girls coyote hunting this morning. 
and we're just we're not gonna be gone long you know it's gonna be hot chocolate and donuts and gonna make some sets close to the truck you know yep. and, and if, if we get one killed that'd be great and we didn't we didn't kill him didn't even see anything but what struck me is driving around in the country that we were hunting is i saw no coyote tracks there was all kinds of other animal tracks but no coyote tracks i saw like one one set of box tracks um there just weren't coyotes there, yeah. where, where we were and so just kind of the way just kind of the way it goes you can't kill them if they're not there uh, yeah no different than trying to kill a big mule deer when there's no deer in the area you know you got to go find yeah. them that's yeah. for sure yeah so so back to the back to that country in michigan you know yeah. you hunted it for quite a few years you know any any pieces you know tactic pieces you know things that you maybe took you a while to maybe finally the light bulb came on and said wow this this is really helping us hunt this type of country <laughs> You know, if somebody was hunting that type of country that they could use, you know, that maybe haven't quite figured that out yet. You know, back there, I think most guys are not even look thinking about hunting coyotes until wintertime, you know, until after muzzleloader, muzzleloader deer season is over. And honestly, that's a really good time, in my opinion, to hunt coyotes back there. Um, because their, their food sources are going to be a little, are going to be more concentrated. In the Upper Peninsula, we have what are called deer yards, where the, the white-tailed deer migrate like our mule deer do out here in Wyoming. They can't stay in the same place all winter because of the, the winters are too harsh. You know, you're looking at, good Lord, I mean, feet of snow every winter and sub-zero temps. It is, it's the northern fringe of a white-tailed deer's range. It, it really is. <laughs> and so they yard up. They migrate into these low-lying swamp areas, cedar swamps, where the weather can't get to them, the snow doesn't get as deep, and they winter in there. Well, so do the rodents. You know, that's where all the, the mice end up in there, too, and that because that, it's sheltered. You'll see that, that movement. And in the wintertime, we always had our best success hunting coyotes around deer yards, you know, because those, those coyotes are always prodding those deer they're poking those edges you know there's winter kill deer in there there's weak deer and they're eating those they're picking they're picking off all those rodents that are living in there in those in those cedar swamps and hemlock stands um and the other the other place where we kill where we did well is second growth like logging blocks that are second growth because that's where the that's where the snowshoe hares would congregate the in the greatest numbers and because there's that young, that young growth that those that those hares would would eat, you see a You're lot talking of coyotes about where they replanted there. trees after they cut them down, uh, or, they, or just they they replant I, or just growth growing yeah, up after they trim. Second growth, at, yeah, that comes up, not replanted stuff. Um, the replanted stuff they usually plant back into pines, and for for paper production, so they they cut it every fifteen to twenty years, and it's on a cycle, and it's it's just pulp. Yeah, if yeah. they if they go in and they trimmed up, cut up timber, and you get that that new uh, deciduous growth that comes back, back there it was a lot. Popple would take over. Um, it's like aspen. This is really the same thing. It would just take over and get thick, and it'd be about as big as your wrist within you know, a handful of years, and it's just thick. You could barely walk through it. And those those areas are magnets for 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 wildlife, and coyotes are no different. But you, again, it's thick, so you got to hunt the edges or you got to hunt the logging roads. So we focused heavily on those areas where there was prey. Um, and we did, 
we focused our efforts, especially when it was colder. It seemed like the colder, the colder the temps were, if you could stand being out in it, that's when you killed, when we killed coyotes. It's also when we saw the most coyotes, like driving down the road and there's one standing there. It was, that was a pretty rare deal in the UP. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I think it's probably similar in Northern Wisconsin and Northern Minnesota as, as well, because it's similar country. Uh, but so cold temps hunting where you know there's food whether it's snowshoe hares whether it's deer whether it's uh, around agriculture there's not a lot of ag up there but what there is is going to have rodents it's going to have mice and and voles and different things for those for those uh coyotes to prey on and getting where you can see you know that that was the biggest that was the biggest game changer we'd set up in the woods and hunt these spots and never see anything, never see anything. And then all of a sudden we started hunting more open country. Like I said, frozen lakes, uh, frozen rivers, gas or power lines or whatever. And just because those coyotes would have to come out in the open, it skyrocketed our success rate. You know, we went from killing, you know, like one or two coyotes a month to killing them every time we went just about. And so they were there. We just weren't seeing them as when we were calling. In that a question, in that thicker cover, did you guys ever, you know, take a guy like a downwind guy, you know, put him, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 yards downwind in the timber to hope maybe that guy might pick off one of those coyotes that circles did, you know, did that it, ever we, work? we did have that. We did have that work a couple times. Yeah. And it was always put them where, cause you can kind of read it. If you're hunting, if you're hunting open, you know, that broken terrain or more where there's some open stuff. If you stick a guy downwind in the heaviest cover with a shotgun, a lot of times he would be the one that killed the, killed the coyote. And man, you had, you had to be head on a swivel because <laughs> yeah. it was like all of a sudden they're standing they're there, right 10, there. Yeah, 10 yeah. yards, you know, 10 or 15 yards, just boom with a shotgun and, and kill them. And they, you know, they don't make a sound. You don't hear them coming. They're just all of a sudden they're standing there. And of course they're, you completely, catch them by surprise if you downwind them like that but yeah we did that a couple of times it took us a while to figure that out but um we did it a couple of times and it seemed like probably 25 percent of the time we'd shoot kind of the guy that if we kill a coyote on a stand it would be that downwind in the thick cover the guy with a shotgun yeah. and then that's a good tactic i mean we use that tactic down in arizona you know calling thick mesquite where it's, it's no different we're not calling through timber, but the visibility right. is the same, you know, right. same, same in some of that sagebrush country, um, you know, out in Wyoming or Idaho, Nevada, Eastern Oregon, you know, same kind of tactics apply that, you know, when you lack visibility, you know, it is good to get into the thick stuff sometimes because the coyotes feel comfortable down in there and they're maybe a little more willing to come, especially in areas, you know, like some of this area you're talking about in Michigan and stuff, the coyotes, I feel like don't have to cross the open areas like they do out West. So very seldom, you know, a lot of guys think that that's where they need to set up, but the coyotes kind of use the cover and maybe get downwind and things like that. You know, obviously the cold weather and stuff had the coyotes, I think moving, you know, yeah. in some of those open areas a little bit more, but, but yeah, I think it's definitely a tactic to consider, um, you know, take a guy and, and, you know, there'll be some adjustment there. He may be a hundred yards straight downwind of you. Who's ever run on the call. He may be 50 yards, 60 yards, you know, when you're talking shotgun and that's what we're talking. This type of country is, is you're going to be shooting with shotguns. It's not like you have a hundred yards of visibility for rifles, but, but yeah. we usually, we usually had somebody with a shotgun and this was pre AR days, man. I mean, nobody had ARs weren't really a thing. 
back yeah. back then when I still lived there. They were just starting to get popular about the time that I moved to Wyoming. Um, but we, I, yeah, guys had their you know, shot their deer rifles. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a I had a Browning BAR carbine and 308 Winchester. That was what I shot, and yeah. it actually worked really good. Hell, it was yeah. just a 30 cal hole in and a 30 cal <laughs> hole going out, and it was no no hide damage to speak of with that yeah, yeah. With that round. Enough time for the uh, bullet to do anything. No, no, but there were times, you know uh i had a buddy that always oh he always shot him with a pistol you know he had a nine millimeter beretta and that was his, that was his coyote gun he always <laughs> they'd be close and he's pop you know and he killed a lot of coyotes with that nine millimeter beretta so uh but no i it's it's definitely interesting and the other thing we would do is we would use especially hunting rivers Cause those coyotes would run, they would run right down that ice, just like, just like a road. In fact, I remember this one set, there was this, there was this coyote and, and the coyotes up there can get pretty big. You know, they're, they could be substantially yeah, larger yeah, than coyotes. Big, yeah. yeah. They're a bigger, bigger coyote. And there was this one, it was, man, it was cold that day. It was cold even for us. And we were hunting this frozen river that, that, that went through a deer yard and first set of the day we were on this blind corner in this river like literally like an oxbow like a horseshoe and we put the collar right on the point and we sat back like so if the coyote came around that corner he had to come like around the corner to find the collar and he'd come right to us and totally <laughs> blindside him you know yeah, they didn't yeah. have any idea and the wind was perfect blowing kind of like back down the river and I don't know what happened, but I'm sitting there rifle. I had a rifle that day and I'm sitting there with the rifle ready. And all of a sudden I can hear nails like claws on the ice. Click, 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 click. And this coyote comes running down the ice and he runs by me. Of course, we're all wearing snow camo, you know, tucked into the snow. Yeah. He runs by me at five feet. Just <laughs> and I, I couldn't. I never, I didn't see him until he went by me, of course, because, but I heard those claws on that ice, you know, clickety clacking on that ice, like a dog on your kitchen floor, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And I just turned my head and looked and he came running by me and he was straight with the wind in his face and didn't smell us. I don't know if it was because our scent wasn't, was because it was so cold that our scent was being, you know, held down to the ground level, but he ran by us and he ran right to that collar complete opposite way that he was supposed to come in i mean came right off my the, my right shoulder ran right down and we killed him and it was like and he was giant i don't know what he i don't remember what he weighed but he was the biggest coyote we ever killed I had to look twice make sure he wasn't a german shepherd <laughs> but, uh, yeah that is wild about coyote hunting. just you know it's never happens there's nothing ever 100 percent coyote hunting you know there's you know just as you think oh that ain't gonna happen sure shit you know, here comes something and does it something different like that, you know? <laughs> well, I remember that too, because there were three of us that day hunting and we were like, oh yeah, we'll set up, set up like this, put the collar here and put it just back around the point. So when they come around and if they cut the corner, there's no way when they come to the call, we're going to kill them. And yeah, he came right down from behind. There's like, they're not going to, they're not going to come from behind us. There's no way that another, another interesting thing about that particular morning was there was a bunch of coyotes in that, in that area. And we were walking in, we parked, we were snowshoeing our way down. It was like snowmobile trail, basically. 
is what we were hunting at parallel the river. And we're got our snowshoes on going down the snowshoe, going down the snowmobile track. And we look and there's bobcat print on the ice of the river, you know, because you're parallel and you look down, you can see a track. We kind of go over to it and I'm like, oh, we're, that's a bobcat track. And that was a pretty low density, that was a pretty low density critter back there. It's like, oh man, but well, we all had fur harvester's license. We're like, we might be able to get this cat. Well, we're keep going, keep going. And all of a sudden there's a coyote track right in the bobcat track. And we go a little further and then another coyote track comes in. Pretty soon there's like four coyotes in that bobcat track. And then all of a sudden all four tracks are running down this ice, this snow covered <laughs> ice. They're running and it didn't go, the pursuit didn't last very long before that cat they treed that cat and you could read all this in the snow like a book i mean it was all wow. right there laid out and that those coyotes had treed that cat and there was coyote hair like on the bark of the tree where they're trying to get at him those <laughs> tracks all went right to this little tree and then and there's some, you know, some pine needles and stuff but, but what was crazy is those coyotes laid down they packed the snow down all around the base of this tree like hounds would do and then they each had laid down, like surrounding this tree, about 10, 15 feet away from the tree. There was coyote beds in the snow. And Just trying to wait them out. Yep. And I don't think it worked because <laughs> pretty soon their, their tracks kept on going. And we didn't go much further and set up and called that, that coyote in from behind us and killed it. But that would have been yeah. sweet. Think, imagine walking around that and actually seeing that. <laughs> we were i that would be the coolest thing that i whack I a couple just, coyotes like, and then walk up and shoot the bobcat out of the tree shoot the yeah. bobcat out of the tree that would be pretty <laughs> awesome but it's one of those like north country jack london things you know it's like how does that even happen but it does it does and it it was it was pretty cool like i said we didn't see it but you could read it like a book you could read that sign you knew exactly what had happened <laughs> and uh, just neat to stumble on that you know oh yeah what the, what was the land access like up there? Were you guys is it uh, were you guys mostly hunting public public access yeah. or is that a pretty much all the UP is? No, uh, the, the UP is um, there's lots of private, but there's a lot of public as well. You know, there's uh, a lot of national forest. There's a lot of paper company land um, that is open used to be anyway open to hunting. There's a lot of uh, um like usually like mine, mine land where I grew up, it was, we hunted a lot of paper company land. And of course, back then too, you could knock on doors and everybody lets you go hunt. It was very seldom outside of deer hunting. There was no, there was nothing you couldn't hunt, especially when it came to coyotes. But uh, yeah, that, that public land is, you know, the lakes are usually surrounded with public land that that country that upper midwest country is it's pretty friendly for for public access and it really is that's good like what yeah what, will you guess fit over well over 50 percent like you could probably oh, easily man. get access to would you guess i would say so yeah yeah, yeah and good. and if you do pick like there are ag areas in all in all that north country but it's like a lot of like old dairy farm they're not growing corn and soybeans you know they're they're growing alfalfa hay or, or you know they have pastures for cat for dairy cows or whatever so that's about the extent of the ag but if you can get onto some of that and there's some places where you'll find like some potato farms or things like that 
And if you can get access to some of that, your cat hunting can be pretty good because it's open and because the ag country has a tendency to concentrate rodents. Yep. And yep. so they got they have food there. And we we killed a few. We killed a few doing that, but we were we mostly hunted them in the woods where it was pretty wild. Was, so so when you finally moved out to Wyoming, um, I mean, what what were a few of the big things that kind of struck you? Like, have never you know had you hunted out west coyotes before you moved out? No, I hadn't. Um, I've been out west a couple times and shot prairie dogs and done some fishing and shot a coyote incidentally shooting prairie dogs one i think it was like december or january whatever it was i don't don't remember when it was but um the weather was warm their prairie dogs were out and killed a coyote doing that but i when i got here it was it was kind of interesting because i killed a lot of coyotes incidentally and i still do you know like (laughs) Oh, yeah. Bear hunting, bear hunting in the spring. Oh, there's a coyote. Bang. Oh. Um, elk hunting. There's a coyote. Bang. What? No, come on now. I got to back up a minute because I figured I figured all you guys are so hardcore into this that you wouldn't even touch a coyote if you're out there with a deer tag or elk tag. It in your totally pocket. depends. It totally depends. <laughs> depends. But if it's depends on the situation, but I actually one of the first coyotes that I killed in Wyoming, I was bow hunting elk and I was hiking out like hunting my way out this trail that was along this stream in the mountains and the trail was real sandy and like you didn't make hardly any noise on these on this trail and I'm walking along around the corner and there's a coyote facing the other way kind of walking down the trail and he's sniffing around you know (laughs) doing coyote things and I knocked an arrow and he kind of took off trotting down the trail I was like he has no idea I'm here and so I knocked an arrow and just started fast walking, like half jog down the trail. And I walked right up on him, shot him at like 10 yards, had oh, no geez. clue that I was there. <laughs> you know, he's sniffing around this dead tree. And I was like, walked around the corner between the sandy trail being quiet and the sound of the stream right next to him. Yeah, he had no, no idea. I've killed three coyotes on that trail doing the exact same thing now. Just stumble <laughs> into them. Whack. Well, all with a all with a bow. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so they don't they very seldom get a pass from me. You know, if it's if it's prime time and I'm set up on a like if I'm set up on a waiting for a buck or a bull to do their thing, the coyote comes through, okay, that one gets a pass. But otherwise, nah, they get they get smoked. I'm surprised you haven't got ran out of your little deer hunting circle for doing that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh it's pretty much open. that's a good way to not get an invite back you know <coughs> shooting coyotes when you're supposed to be deer hunting you know and piss everybody off that's different it's different because so much of what we do is you know we're hunting public land pretty big big country and yeah yeah it's different than sitting <laughs> in a tree stand on a farm in iowa you know or you're shooting coyotes during november that's that's no that's yeah my brother would kick my butt for that if i did that back there <laughs> I know that's the only reason I ever went deer hunting for the most part was just so I could shoot coyotes. You know, if I happened to stumble across a deer that was big enough to shoot, oh well. But yeah, I was pretty much just looking for coyotes. Well, you know, there's, in my pocket. There's a funny story to that. That that guy from California that I said went to school with him. He had our roommates for a long time. His name's Seth, and like I said, Seth was always thirty seconds away from a coyote hunt. You know, I was just yeah. like, no matter what we were doing, if we were hunting geese. Oh, there's a coyote, you know, he, he was always, that's where his brain was. And we went, uh, we went deer hunting 
and this is back in the UP, and he got bored real quick and started and whipped out his whipped out his. I think he had a, I think he was carrying like a Tweety or something. Uh, call this little mouth call, and he started squealing on that on that little rabbit call, rabbit distress call, and called in a big whitetail buck. Deer came just running <laughs> out of nowhere, just like ran up and he missed that deer twice at like very, very close Jeez. range. Hit a tree, hit one tree and then hit another tree and deer took off and I heard him shoot. I was kind of like, oh, cool. I made my way back down there and I was like, did you get him? He's like, all right. I, and I figured he was tapping on. I was like, did you get the coyote? And he's like, I want to shoot at a coyote. I was set up and I started calling this buck came running in. <laughs> But I don't know if you've ever had that happen or not. Had deer come smoking in. Yeah. Yeah. We had a mule deer doe down in Arizona, about the same thing. Just come and You talked about earlier hearing the coyotes uh, feet on the ice, you know, down there, you'll hear, hear those coyotes feet, you know, hitting the hard, just ground, oh, Yeah, you know, but we heard that coming and we're okay. And everybody, you know, it's kind of, and it was in this mule deer doe come running around the corner through the mesquite. And she, I thought she was going to stomp the call and break it, you know, so we kind of right. had to scare her right. out of there. But yeah, it, it does happen. Those, I was always thought myself, heck, you might be a tactic to <laughs> use it. If you're hunting during the rut and yeah, you, know, you and want to call in some does and hopefully a buck's with them, they'll start blowing on a rabbit squaller and, you know, watch the does come running. Yeah. I, it's interesting how deer react to that stuff. You, you just never know. And I've actually, I've called in deer, uh, called in antelope that are you know they're curious and they're like what what's going on and they're pretty oh, soon yeah. they're standing there and you're like what is the deal but <laughs> yeah man i i don't know it was coyote hunting in wyoming uh i don't feel like i've ever lived in an area where the coyote hunting was where we had large densities like high high population densities there's definitely areas of the state where guys hammer on them big time but I've always kind of lived where there was a lot of livestock production. And yep. so those coyotes got, they got, they, their populations were, oh yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't stand much of a chance. And so when you saw them, it was, uh, you definitely call them in, but I, it's not like, uh, I was talking to a, to a guy I know that, that was in Southeast Wyoming and he's like, dude, we used to shoot. It was nothing to go out and kill five coyotes, you know, a day four or five coyotes a day and he's like man i up here he goes lucky to kill a coyote every third or fourth time i make a stand you know and i think it's just it's just density yep you know, just density is all is all there is to it but you definitely see them and you, you get out here and you're like oh man this is going to be awesome and then like i said everywhere i've lived it's it's work it's <laughs> it's it's work there's guys trapping them and there's guys you know they get they get shot at every time they rear their little you know ugly little face up. They get shot at, so it's tough. It can be tough. That's what I tell people: if you happen to live in one of those parts of the country where it is a little tougher, you got to travel. You got to plan a little coyote hunt. Go somewhere where maybe you know the densities are higher, and you can kind of get a little taste of of what it's like in other places. You know. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. It's it's we've we've gotten warm here. Um, it's supposed to be like 65 degrees today. And, and, uh, but I was thinking this weekend, my wife said, what, what do you, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, honestly, I think I'm going to go try to shoot coyotes in the, some morning this uh, probably Saturday or 
maybe even before church on Sunday morning. But uh, I said, yep. it's I, I've got that bug. I want to get out and get after them. Well, this this time of year is pretty good. You know, obviously the furs, you know, if, if you are in an area where the furs good, it's not probably going to be good now. Just they're starting to rub a little bit and, uh, you know, and everything that's associated with that. But, you know, right now is a pretty good time, actually. I mean, coyotes are paired up now, so they're a little more aggressive. You know, the older coyotes, you know, and honestly, the pressures probably went down in the last month. You know, I think a lot of guys get just frustrated with, you know, that do spend a lot of time hunting coyotes by, by the time February rolls around, they've, they've struggled and it's, they've kind of given up a little bit and said, okay, it's starting to get nice. We're starting to think about fishing and turkey hunting and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So I think the coyotes have had a little bit of a break, you know, maybe over the last month, um, which, which obviously helps, you know, too. So yeah, this part, this time of year can be, can be pretty good, you know? Well, so then give me some advice. I go out Saturday morning, you know, I'm going to be looking where I know there's coyotes, what, what should I be starting? How should my sequence start my calling sequence? How, what should that look like? You know, late in the season like this, I like to focus on the coyote based sounds. You know, when I say that, you know, I might, and it's not just coyote vocals. I'm talking about the, the coyote fight sounds, the, the pup distress sounds, um, you know, just a lot of sounds like that. You know, I'll still throw in a little bit of praise. You know, I call it, you know, prey, whether that's a woodpecker rabbit or sure. whatever at the beginning, um, just for those coyotes that are close, a lot of times those close coyotes will come into that still, you know, but, but, you know, ultimately I'm trying to, I'm trying to fire up a, a pair of coyotes that are pissed off and aggressive and territorial right now. And, you know, a lot of times those coyotes, even though they've maybe been pressured all winter long, you trigger a little something different in those coyotes and, and you piss them off to the point where, Hey, we want to come in and, and defend our territory or run these other coyotes out. And, you know, you can call those coyotes in it and, and it's usually fun too. Cause when those kind of coyotes come in. You know, they're usually running hard. They're fired up. They may sit out there and challenge Hal at you a couple hundred yards, you know? Yeah. You know, so it gets, it gets pretty entertaining, you know, when you can do that. But, uh, um, and in your country too, you know, probably some of the, I don't know how deep some of the snow is still, you know, drifted over the winter, but access is always tough. And, yeah. you know, now if you can, you know, if some of the snow starts melting off a little bit, you know, you can maybe get access into some areas that maybe were unaccessible, you know, over the last couple of months, just with snow drifts and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's, there's, that's definitely a concern, um, out here is there's the drifts get, can get really deep this time of year and you just get to the point where you just can't, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, I, there's a couple spots where I've hunted, where I hunted geese and ducks a lot this, you know, a month and a half ago and we saw coyotes, you know, in like you pull it in the dark and to go down and get set up and there'd be a coyote out there. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, I think I might yeah. bring the collar. Yeah. <laughs> take the collar and go get after him. But no, it's, it was interesting. I'm going to pick your brain. Cause that's, it's like when we were, when we killed coyotes back in Michigan, this, this time of year, this late, um, that's, it was all coyote sounds. Yep. And we never had, we never had electronic collars. We always had, you know, hand and we were do howling, um, a lot of like pumping distress, you know, you start that kayak and you're just trying to sound like making coyote sounds like you yep. said, and it worked, you know, I could, I burned into my mind. We, we fired that up one time on a, on a frozen lake and it was, yeah, it was probably this time of year, maybe a little later into March and it was pretty cold and I'll never forget that. We fired off a howl and instantly got a response. And then we started just like 
cayenne on on our mouth reads you know just like <laughs> yipping and yipping and whining and, and yeah, yeah. those two coyotes bailed off this river off this little kind of hill ran probably a thousand yards to us across the ice and they were on us so fast think they're coming from that far away oh yeah they were just, in our lap boom. and i killed one with a shotgun and my buddy killed the other one with a pistol <laughs> you know back one other tactic i was going to talk about a lot of times this <coughs> time of year too you can get these coyotes are real vocal you know so i'll use i'll i'll howl up these coyotes trying to find out where they're at you know and you're calling a big chunk of of area you know, right. they're not everywhere, but you want to find where they're sometimes I'll just go let out a couple howls, find out where they're at and then attack them, you know, from there, kind of get, you know, kind of make an educated guess on where I think they're at and maneuver down in there and try to get as close as I can to them, you know, before you set up and start calling. And, you know, that's a tactic sometimes too. You, you don't knock out a whole bunch of stands in a day doing that, but, right, right. Um, you know, and obviously if the wind's blowing a lot, it's hard to hear them howl back, but um, you know, if you get a day that's fairly calm and stuff like that, that's, you know, that's a tactic. You can, you can get in on some coyotes and, and kill some coyotes that are maybe a little smarter too. That's how, I think that's how a lot of guys are killing wolves. You know, they're, and they, and, and the wolves have seemingly caught on pretty quick, you know, as far as howling wolves in, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I think that was probably a pretty good tactic, but guys will go out and they'll listen for the wolves and maybe try to strike up a howl but then from what i understand guys are calling them in with with prey sounds it's it's almost like the the whole howling scenario they got they got wise to it pretty quick and you know i don't know i don't have i don't have any experience well i should say any i have i don't have any experience trying to call wolves um but that's interesting that you say that because it sounds from what i hear what i read what i talking to guys that's a very similar tactic to what they're how they're using how they're getting yeah. on wolves yeah that's I, i've been wolf hunting a couple of times i've never killed one but uh that's kind of the tactic we employed and that's been six eight years since i've been but right yeah trying to find a needle in a haystack is the hardest part that yeah that's deal. yeah there's no doubt about that that was <laughs> that you know I, the only times that i ever really got after wolves there was uh when wyoming we got our wolf management plan back because we had it and then federal government shut us down for two years and then reapproved our plan and that spring it was like game on and i knew where there was a whole bunch of wolves and it was like let's go you know before they before everybody gets the same idea let's get out oh, yeah there. yeah and access was tough because it was this it was early in the spring and snow drifts were deep and unless you had a snowmobile or a tracked vehicle you weren't getting back in there and uh yeah i had a pair of black ones i got into this big group of elk and i was like this valley and there's elk everywhere and it dawned on me i'm like these elk aren't looking at me <laughs> they're looking at something else yeah. and this pair of black wolves came trotting out of the timber literally over a thousand yards and it was quick and i had no shot and they turned and went over the ridge and then off the back side and there was finger draws with timber in them that came up on this face of this big this big mountainside and i knew enough i'm like they got to go up one of those finger draws so i ran up the top got set up on the gun and all of a sudden the middle draw right the one right across from me the elk start just like popping out of this thing like popcorn and i'm like well that's where the wolves are <laughs> and 
those stinkers never came out. They never came out of that timber. And I don't know if they went in there and just hunkered down. I don't know what happened, but I waited there most of the day and they never came out. And that's the closest I've been to shooting a wolf. So <laughs> that's closer than I've been. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I got, then I got buddies, you know, like my buddy Greg is out hunting deer and a wolf runs by him at 30 yards with a mule deer head in its mouth and he shoots it, you know, and it's oh, like, geez. dude, what's up with that? You guys have all the luck. Yeah. Yeah. I know another guy that takes his, uh, a lot of guys here in grizzly country, uh, take a dog with them when they're hunting elk or deer, just it just helps with the, you know, my, my Labrador retriever, my oldest one um, has saved my bacon twice with grizzly bears. Um, you know, just kind of stands watch, you knock it, knock an elk down. And if you're by yourself or you got one guy with you, your, your head's down, you're doing the work and the dog's just hanging out and they can smell the bear, hear the bear. And all it's, it's like just the barking of the dog presence that makes that bear most of the time seems to make those bears pretty hesitant. Um, but wolves, not so much. And, uh, there's, I know a guy, uh, in particular that we actually put him in, I actually put him in the journals. He killed a big wolf in an, in an area that, uh, pretty popular elk hunting area, but it came into his dog. It smelled his dog and the wolves started howling in the morning down below him and the wind swirled and started to blow to the wolves. And pretty soon he's got a, a wolf running right to him because his dog's sitting next to him and the wolf smelled that dog and was coming on a beeline like and of course dream. the dog the dog's like woo, 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 you know and <laughs> runs like no stands up boom shoots, shoots the wolf and kills it you know like decoy dogging for wolves <laughs> yeah that's uh, you better hope your dog's really yeah. fast really yeah. fast that's a whole other i i don't think that's a recommended uh approach to, to wolf hunting <laughs> yeah, <coughs> good way funny. to good way to lose your dog in a yeah hurry. no that's, kidding. that's for sure but <laughs> oh it's crazy oh. crazy crazy but well, i'm gonna definitely gonna try to get out this weekend and and uh implement what you talked about that's for sure i got a couple spots like i said i've seen coyotes i know they're there i know they're in the area i mean fun to howl yeah. up and get after them oh yeah tis the season man it's about yeah. done it's about over for me anyway i know some guys will hunt me around but i'm about finished up i'm headed to texas here uh do filming uh last stand the last couple episodes of that and and uh, i'll be back and hitting the lawn care and baseball field so the coyotes are gonna get a break anyway at least yeah yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's about time to for me to break fly rod out and start and start fishing too so heck yeah it, weather's getting nice and it's kind of like it's time to get outside and get after something but i can't let them go i can't let them go without a couple more cracks at them so yes sir. especially when i spend so much time chasing waterfowl that the coyotes didn't don't get as much attention from me as they used to <laughs> but well man i appreciate what? you coming on the podcast um yeah man real quick, what, what do we got what do we got going on at eastman's um coming up in the future with the magazines anything uh anything going there people need to know about putting the finishing touches on the sheep issue right now uh, the sheep in north country issue that's always a really that's always a fun issue to put together the sheep guys are man they are they are probably the most passionate of all the big game guys you know and a lot of guys get worked up over mule deer and and get really excited about elk 
but the sheep guys, that's like a dedication. You don't just, most people don't just stumble into a sheep hunt. You know, it's like takes years of planning, building preference points or saving money to be able to go up North and buy a sheep hunt. Um, so they, they usually take really good photos. Their stories are usually really, really interesting. You know, just the adventure of sheep hunting, whether it's in the lower 48 or, or Canada or, or Alaska, those hunts are adventure hunts, man. Oh, yeah. And so the stories are always fascinating. And one of the things that I'm doing right now, it's different than I've done in the past. I started it with this issue is with Eastman's Tag Hub. Um, we have the, the ability to put a lot more content into the magazine on Tag Hub because it's digital. We're not, we're not constrained by the parameters of a page count that that print magazine is. So I'm making two versions of each, of each feature, one for Tag Hub, one for the magazine. And the magazine versions are shorter, kind of distilled to the nuts and bolts of the hunt and using as many of their pictures as I can, as my designer can. And then the full story, unabridged version goes on Tag Hub. And so that's a big deal. We've never done that before. And I'm going to continue to do that um, both for EHJ and EBJ because Tag Hub houses, it's more than just research um, for, for big game tags. It houses all of our TV shows before they go anywhere else. It houses all kinds of video content. It houses both magazines, both EBJ and EHJ. It houses podcasts. It houses, I mean, you name it. You want to read all Mike's books? They're all on there. It's an amazing thing, and it's growing. It's and it's and so that's that's kind of the biggest thing that's in the works around here right now. Is um, you know, I'm on a treadmill as the editor every month. I got a new magazine. You know, it's like. Finish one, start the next one. Finish one, start the next one. So when I can do something a little different like the Tag Hub project, that's a lot of fun. Does that Tag Hub have a, a separate website or, or do you go to the Eastman's website and it's linked? You can and get through there? there through the Eastman's website. Yep, you can get there through the Eastman's website. Um, you can go and sign up uh, through there. It We don't have a monthly, uh, like, a, like a monthly payment option, but it works out to about... For the elite membership, which gives you literally like everything we do, it's like 12 bucks a month or $12.50 a month. And it, you know, this time of year, guys are, you know, digging around like crazy, looking for tags and looking for, you know, I got 15 points in Arizona. What, what do I, how can I get a, an elk tag, you know, type yeah, yeah. thing. So lots and lots of that. It's just a super cool resource. You know, and when we first started, I was kind of like, oh, this is neat, you know, neat, neat neat way to to do some research but it's so it's grown so much larger than that and it's it's literally like a one-stop eastman's entertainment service it really is well we gotta we gotta start thinking about some some coyote content in there i guess you know yep at some point for sure i think so jeff i think there's uh you know we'll continue to do what what you do with this but i i would love to see a blog like a predator pros blog, even if it's like once a month, you drop some blog content. That's what I do with wingmen and it's cool, man. Can, guys can jump on and they can read it real quick. Like what you're talking about, about calling late season coyotes, end of the season coyotes. That's a very different tactic than it is early. In oh the yeah. Year. Yeah. Well, heck yeah. 
Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, this partnership with Eastman's is exciting to me. You know, uh, I think I've got maybe Ike and some, maybe Scott talked into possibly filming a coyote hunt, maybe for the, uh, um, you know, your guys' YouTube series or, or yep. mine, one or the other. So be sure and get your name in a hat on that one so you can. Oh, yeah. They're uh, some coyotes. Hopefully they won't. They won't. Yeah, I would like to be involved <laughs> with that. And even if even if you just want to come up and hang out and go shoot and go have Adam there, there's some spots. There's, yeah, yeah. It's funny. You know, we talk about killing those coyotes in on big game hunts. But honestly, in the mountains in October, those coyotes are man, they have the feed bag on because they know what's coming. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you can lip squeak them in. I mean, I've done <laughs> it. I've done it. And it's just like, and all of a sudden, whoop, there's a coyote standing there, you know, especially if you could see them and get close to them. And they have nice hair that time of year. Those mountain coyotes in October are really oh, thick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Really thick, nice coats. So, yeah, man, it's hard to oh. get away from, hard to tear away from big game that time of year. But it is. It's fun. You just got to quit hunting big game altogether like I had to do, you know, focus on the coyotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> we could definitely sprinkle more coyote stuff in, that's, that's for right. sure. That's right. Well, if you're listening to this and want to see some more coyote content on the Eastman's side, be sure and let them know, you know. Absolutely. They want to hear your feedback. So, well, Todd, appreciate it, man. It's been fun. Um, yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Lucky Duck uh, Predator Calls as well as Swagger Bipods and Sig Sour Optics for, for bringing this to you guys and, of course, Eastman's for putting it all together. So until next time, we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.